And now, the voice of truth. News, interviews, political commentary, current issues that affect Christians today. The Voice of Truth is your Washington, D.C. connection from a Christian perspective featuring host Shannon Sculpin. The Voice of Truth contains unapologetic criticism of current events, reveals disingenuous politics, and addresses difficult issues. If you are easily offended by political incorrectness, listener discretion is advised. And now your host, Shannon Sculpin. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That is the verse that Sandy Robison from Robison Tactical lives by. Robison Tactical is a self-defense training company located in Las Vegas, Nevada. They provide church leaders with CCW and other self-defense skills necessary to protect their congregations. Robison Tactical can be found online at fffactical.com. fffactical.com. Voice of Truth is grateful for the support of MyPillow. MyPillow is a Minnesota-based company that manufactures pillows, bathrobes, slippers, bedsheets, and other products. MyPillow supports the mission of Voice of Truth. For more information, you can go to MyPillow.com forward slash VOT22 or by calling 800-562-4978. Hi, and welcome to Voice of Truth. I'm your host, Shannon Skolton, and I am very happy to be here on the program with you this fine day. Listen, there's a lot going on, and we're excited to be able to even be here and bring you the truth. We couldn't do it without amazing affiliates and sponsors like MyPillow, as well as Metro Coffee Group, Robison Tactical, and others. If you're interested to find out more about our sponsors or even support Voice of Truth through maybe shopping on your own, take a look at voiceoftruthradio.org. Our sponsors are listed there and our affiliates. If you use a code VOT22, you will always get a benefit from shopping till you drop and supporting the truth. To get right into the program today, everybody, we have Something specific that I have been talking about for a very long time, since we knew it started manifesting and rolling itself out into mainstream media, it hasn't really been discussed on the forefront of media in the manner in which I fully believe it should. But my guest today is going to discuss these things with me in detail. We all know that the U.S. and the Biden administration has discussed selling out its sovereignty to the World Health Organization. They have decided with many other countries to potentially join forces and vote on allowing the World Health Organization, a global infrastructure, to control our medical system. Now, this is an issue, and granted, if it even is approved and Biden does the necessary things which him and his cabinet believe are in the benefit of the United States of America, which I fully believe they don't think it's in the benefit, but that's a whole nother discussion. You know what? It's going to affect all of us, but we still have a democratic republic and it still has to go to the Senate. And we're going to talk about all of that today. We're going to talk about how is it even possible for large entities to do this Uh, and even to be discussed really prior to the general public knowing about it. We're going to talk about why this even came about, what made this come to the forefront of the conversation for the Biden administration. And is this a violation of our constitutional law and rights? We need to know that as well. 
We're going to talk about all of that, the authority, the constituents, the pandemic, and more with our guest that we have on, Dr. Claudia Kortka, a global health sector intelligence, public policy, and health expert. We're excited to have her on. She's been a witness, an expert witness, rather, before USA Congress and the White House. She's an international uh, international lecturer, and she's a expert in aesthetic and restorative dentistry. Without further ado, thank you, doctor, for being on the program. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So tell everybody a little bit about your background so they get a full understanding of you. And then we have a lot to dive into for the next 30 minutes. Of course. So primarily and at heart, I'm a clinician. And of course, my motivation is to essentially allow two things to happen. One is that accessibility of innovative protocols and very superb and excellent options ought to be available, especially, of course, in the country which I've had the privilege of uh, coming to from uh, then communist Romania. And of course, the other aspect is for the rights of every individual to be sustained, as it has been in the United States in terms of options, including no treatment. Um, It is the patient's prerogative to make the decision. However, as a clinician, my intent is always to make things accessible in the most superlative opportunities and the most superlative options to the patients, um, as well as uh, appropriately inform um, and, of course, utilize the resources that we are so richly blessed with here in the States. Um, the aspect of the global reach has just uh, um, essentially integrated my own efforts to extend that to colleagues, requests from all over the world. And so um, here I am uh, contributing uh, as a US as a USA delegate uh, in the capacity of expert, but also, um, of course, um, representing the subject matter and the integrity of the subject matter that we as clinicians have privilege and, of course, um, an honor to to serve and represent as leaders in the healthcare sector. I'm excited to have you on because this is a very important topic of conversation that you and I are going to dive into. Uh, And it's something that I really want the American people to understand. I've had many doctors. I've had everyone from general practitioners to obstetricians to uh, dentists to you name it, right? Uh, Molecular biologists, so on and so on and so on. We have got to discuss the truth with this. We have got to discuss what is going on with the Biden administration. We need to know what's really happening and we need to know from people like you who have the truth at heart, to understand the necessity of being real, of explaining what's going on and allowing people to understand what the future holds and their options. So Biden is about to sign this treaty, a violation basically of what I believe is our constitutional law uh, and our constitutional rights and vote uh, without a vote from the Senate, which it should go to the Senate, right? Let's explain to everybody what is really happening with our medical care system and Biden's so so eager and his willingness to ditch it to the World Health Organization. Well, as an expert and as a clinician, I have to say that primarily I'm focused on ensuring that the patient has accessibility to, as I mentioned earlier, superlative care. And so that requires innovative, uh, competitive edge, uh, freedom. To, to, to innovate and represent um, from small business uh, to, of course, large entities. And of course, not be prohibitive or not uh, be stifled 
in the attempt to deliver information as well as time-sensitive information and, of course, contribution of synergistic interdisciplinary conversations. And if only, for instance, the interdisciplinary teams and forums would be publicly made available to the consumers at large, I'm sure that I would not have to have a lot of private conversations with independent individuals, patients, or non-experts on things that could easily be um, I would say informed and shared, and of course, contributing a lot of common sense and logic principles that are embedded into the scientific exchange. Yes. Well, you know, this authority and this exchange that he's attempting to do changes the fabric of a lot of different things. They're trying to have the authority to declare what really constitutes a pandemic. In the past, it was something that, you know, was a, a, extremely. Uh, volatile and ominous that could affect and would affect actually the entire world in a zoonotic potential, uh, in either a massive spread of disease from human to human or human to animal. And now the definition of that is even being changed. It could be something as simple as the flu. So this is a giant overreach into just complete medical control. Well, it is uh, basically a, a difficult synopsis of, of sorts. I would say that there's a lot of conflicts um, that would result from this particular approach. It is, I would say, atypical for United States uh, to take such a narrow view or narrow path uh, in uh, respect to not allowing experts to lead. And here we have another example where um, non-experts uh, by jurisdictions are imposing their views um, on what, for instance, we, in the United States of America as experts are designated by law as first-year providers. That means that we are given the autonomous opportunity to lead our subject matter and discipline. Now, whether that always occurs is another matter of, in, right. of implementation, but by law, we're given that opportunity. I have to say that in another jurisdiction globally, that is not the case. And so in terms of when you want to homogenize situations and scenarios across jurisdictional boundaries is extremely difficult to do. Um, I would say it also reaches into the aspect of difficulty in terms of engagement with other geoposition um, delegations, particularly as the historic contributions have been so enriching uh, from uh, the leading um, leadership and the leading countries uh, uh, from experts like myself. And so um, it really stifles, I would say, the activity um, um, extension. We do a lot of this, you know, uh, from the goodness of our hearts as responsible clinicians and scientists. And so uh, um, it, um, it, it matters um, the projected allowance um, in the very near future and certainly will have indications as to how difficult uh, things will be made, not only for experts, but also for the population which we serve. Well, I think you made it clear that it removes you as an expert and medical professional's ability to practice um, their specialty in a sense to where you don't have the ability to really govern even the people that you see, your clients individually, or even, um, I hate to use the word corporately, but corporately in a sense in your medical professional, uh, a medical professional opinion, as well as in maybe your region and your community, it removes your hand 
essentially in all medical people's hands from governing a situation, coming together and doing what's best for the community, because now there's this massive global overreach, which is eradicating your degree and saying, hey, we know that you don't you don't have the same maybe common understanding as the who, but we're overstepping you and we're coming and we're going to we're going to squash your head with our heel and we're going to tell you what you should do regardless of your degree, which is an issue. Is this now becoming socialized medicine in a sense, uh, though not governed by our own government, but a world organization? Well, I think the, the, the trend is certainly indicating that's the case. We saw from, for instance, from the COVID situation, unfortunately, some jurisdiction had been given uh, their leadership, uh, meaning their experts, uh, leaders, subject matter expert clinicians to lead, and other jurisdictions will withhold that, will withhold that. Basically, they intervene between patient-provider relationship and essentially created a lot of um, um, uncertainty into into what the patient's perception is of a clinician, which is when you have a medical problem, your first go-to individual is a clinician. Mm -hmm. And yet... um, Clinicians were stand was were told to stand down, and then of course patients were told to withhold. Um, and uh, not only that, but um, um, in terms of the forum of discussions, there was significant lack of allowance for all the interdisciplinary voices to be represented, both from the private sector as well as the public sector. And as I myself, as I'm a, I'm a private uh, sector clinician, but of course I have training in public health. And I'm also very interested in innovation, availability, and proper placement and accessibility in the public in the public access to care. And so that makes it a very unique combination in terms of where my activities um, um, have been for for almost two decades. And it really highlights uh, the um, the necessity for interdisciplinary thought and um, differentiation in logic when mm-hmm. assessing recommendations, right. both at the individual level and, of course, at the public health level. And one is connected and indirectly and directly translated into the other. So let's not kid ourselves um, what one particular um, you know, geoposition in terms of population receives in terms of, let's say, laser technologies as opposed to uh, open opioids or prescriptions will certainly transcend and impact that community and will have a radius and impact. And that's common sense. We've observed it. We know it theoretically. Um, We expect it to be so. And so um, by by extension, we can, of course, understand where where the uh, the vectors uh, are uh, targeting. That's right. Well, you know, this is really this is really ominous and it's quite scary because they can determine how new infections are diagnosed with what tests are used, how they measure that. Even if it's a faulty PCR test, if they decide that that's what they want to do in a certain area or in a region, they can do it to justify ramp up their numbers. But the more significant issue that I see is we've talked about global population reduction uh, and their ability to prevent or treat disease in certain areas. They will have whatever countries decide to vote into this and become part of this, they will have complete control of their medical care system. Uh, And they can deny doctors, they can deny the treatment, they can deny doctors seeing patients uh, in any which way that they would like. This gives them that full authority to determine what is safe and unsafe and that's intense. That is quite scary. Even to the f- 
to the fact of forced mandates with with uh, vaccinations and things of that matter. Do you see the World Health Organization and the United States, if we really go this direction, literally splitting that dividing line down the middle between population control and whom gets the best medical care? Well, I think that that has unfortunately happened um, uh, for some time in terms of certain geopositions just did not have access to what other geopositions had. And, uh, you know, we are to be thankful for resources and access to information that we have here in the United States. And I would say that it's very difficult to find similar type of uh, forums in other countries, particularly at the um, cost level that it takes to um, to procure it and also have it subsidized in a way that it's mass distributed. One of the things that I've realized when I've come to the States is the fact that not only the United States healthcare sector appreciates excellent and high level um, performance innovations and very cutting edge, but at the same time, it allows for a mass distribution at somewhat of a standardized level to reach large segmented population and no one I would say in the world as a country does that better than United States so it mm-hmm. sort of utilizes a managed care model in a way reaching everybody even before Obama health care for instance no emergency room in the United States was ever really um, engaged in uh, turning down any emergency patient irrespective of whether or not they had insurance or otherwise yeah um, and the same time however the United States healthcare of uh, uh, sector and the, the matrix encourages competition yeah and that really makes it very unique but there's some hiccups and glitches when one tries to control the elements and the participants in a way that steps away from the absolute definition of the subject matter mm-hmm. and so um, this is where we get into into situations um, and this is where that partition occurs and becomes more visible mm-hmm. and um, so I hope that uh, irrespective of the hurdles I hope that individuals um, in the leadership positions as we speak are making legitimate uh, credible uh, backed um, um, votes and and uh, so that we can actually maintain the rhythm and the contributions that we've had difficulties in the world occur and will occur exponentially one example for instance is the aspect of comorbidities yeah. comorbidities have not yet decreased irrespective of the fact that research data and innovation has increased yeah so when we look at just that particular assessment one has to think something must be wrong why is it that we're not managing comorbidities on xyz mm-hmm. and yet we're trying to adapt the same logic where we failed in this particular axis, apply it to another, um, uh, you know, um, uh, condition or abnormality that let's say it's in the benign stages, correct? Yes. So we really have to, um, I would say, um, hold ourselves responsible and be allowed to voice what we clinicians and scientists actually engage in conversation every time a research team gets together every time a collaboration occurs um you know we're very very close to that particular hippocratic oath that we uh uh, that we answer to. That's right. Well, you know, they're going to vote on this between the 22nd, 28th or 29th of this month. And so these, you know, are, this is, this is a problem. It's a, 
in my opinion, this is the biggest public health emergency, right? Is that uh, there's a complete lack of respect for definition, for truth, for scientific foundational assessments, um, the scientific method, open forum discussion between colleagues, um, the dictation of government and the overreaching into this private sector is scary. Now, with that being said, do you believe, and there has been conjecture on this from many many, many good people, many very intelligent, well-known people. Do you think that this is going to overreach even into the American health uh, provider's potential future? As I'm saying, if you do not comply with these things, because this is a global governance, we can remove, you can lose your medical license. We can remove your practice from you. Is, Is this a risk to that individual care provider? I would say that it's obvious that that could definitely be a risk. Of course, if uh, if this continues on and increases in intensity and really, uh, you know, does not get corrected. But I like to say two things. One is that one of the most pressing elements that has put pressure in terms of access to care. I'm speaking for United States here now because it can be also be by proxy applied globally. But I just focus on the USA market, access to care as well as uh, access to innovations and um, the um, or or access of innovation innovations to compete at least legitimately equally is the venture capital pressure points. Venture capital has uniquely, I would say, by and large, made strides and really were able to and effective in actually almost um, uh, challenging the um, scientific method because of the fact that leaders in terms of expert subject matter were not really integrated within their renditions. And I could go on for many examples to, to, to show this, but this is one of the, I would say, elements that I've discovered in the last um, last decade that has really gone almost missed um, and that contributes significantly. Um, in terms of the um, the credibility, of course, of, of providers and um, um, protecting, uh, you know, their jurisdiction. Um, United States, um, I would say, um, as clinicians, we've had it quite easy yeah. in terms of other jurisdictions globally. And so um, there comes a time where, um, in respect of the fact that, and let me just say this, some of the red flags that we see and we're discussing now have been lurking under the, sur- under the surface for a number of years, even more than a decade. Um, it's been already recognized by the dental profession that, for instance, there is a significant, um, um, I would say, lack of um, lack of interest in the medical professions for the past 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been sort of a worrisome factor among the academic and research platforms uh, within the subject matter discussions. Um, and this is part of, um, you know, the red flag component in terms of what really has an impact on the healthcare sector. My recommendation and always my position was that participants in the healthcare sector commodity need to uphold the essentially Hippocratic oath and treat um, these, the healthcare sector with a certain amount of conduct that reflects that oath and therefore be allowed um, or subject matter clinicians be allowed to lead and be sought to make recommendations in a disciplinary scope. Now, common sense would say to you, if you have a better solution, yeah. you would track more effectively financially yeah. and more longitudinally. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, commodity rotation in terms of transactions can occur on any type of commodity. But let's face it, healthcare commodity is a unique commodity. Yeah. 
It is. It's it's in its own class. You know, this begs the question for me on what is really going to happen uh, with these major pharmacy uh, companies, these big pharma companies, because we already know that a lot of them are lobbied, bought and sold by uh, the American government. We understand the abilities, the overreach, the use um, that they have worldwide. It's a geopolitical issue. It's not just an American issue. And we understand that a lot of our pharmaceuticals are also coming from China. We have an issue with us attempting to say we're decoupling our inability to decouple uh, import, export, you know, food supply and supply chain shortages. This to me is all interwoven. There's no ability to separate any of it. And some people think it is uh, separable. It's something that can be completely handled separate from another aspect of what I just mentioned. And it can't. It all is together. It all is affecting everything. Do you agree? I would agree that, yes, all the participants of the self-care, of the healthcare sector have an impact directly on the sector and the commodity and the integrity of the commodity and the transactional potential. However, we have to recognize that subject matter leaders take precedence in terms of leadership and commentaries. And when the subject matter leaders are ignored in terms of the interdisciplinary input, not just one voice and not just one organ, there's a whole body that speaks synergistically at all times. Um, that's really where we have, I would say, opportunity to allow for the checks and balances. The United States as a system in government as well as in, in the healthcare sector uh, gives um, uh, attention to and merits, uh, um, merits um, um, a uh, um, expected output. Yeah. You know, it's been wonderful having you on. You're very intelligent. You speak with a high level of intellectual articulate ability, which some people cannot do on this program for some reason. So I appreciate you greatly. I am extremely concerned about this. I think that this is something that we all need to be praying about as the 22nd to the 28th really start manifesting. We're almost there. Uh, and this is a, pro a proposed issue that we really need to be thinking about. Um, before you go, one last final thought. Is there anything that the American people can do before this gets voted on to change the course of maybe U.S.'s uh, future in this regard? Absolutely. Whether or not this gets to a vote in terms of a, a by supported by United States delegation or not, let me just say this. The United States citizen can A, take advantage of existing resources of what this particular country provides, and it is an enriching resources. Number two, they must also consider taking responsibility in terms of what their own contribution is to their own health capacities. Okay. Um, three, I would also highly recommend that uh, clinicians, that uh, um, consumers and, and particularly patients um, continue to become and have a high responsibility to become advocates for their own health with respect to the interdisciplinary team, whether it's in a hospital-based system or it's in a private sector or combinatorial private sector with um, community hospitals or academic hospitals or, or, or university. Um, and so um, the incorporation of the uh, clinician and the adherence for the patient to not let go for their advocate um, and of course be willing to listen obtain information and be give and take time to evaluate the information holistically not make quick decisions um, and not consider that for instance pain must be immediately uh, eradicated 
um, of course, there are circumstances where there's uh, attention to to that, um, and there are crises that that deserve that attention. But we're talking about non-crisis scenarios. Um, the um, there is something to be said for. Um, a um, wise approach in analysis and um, and uh, um, process of implementation. And so I would say that if consumers um, are given the opportunity for uh, themselves to utilize the resources they have available, um, engage more actively with private sector clinicians um, and really bring uh, the availability of that customization and precision medicine that you know that doctors are able to contribute in an interdisciplinary way then we would of course expect and we would see that comorbidities would actually decrease and i should just give two examples if i may absolutely if, for instance in terms of the utilization and how we assess pain pain is a very very important red flag by the body to draw attention to the brain uh, because it has been ignored. So there were red flags prior, but those were ignored. And so pain starts to elicit in a more pronounced way from non-present. Um, the immediate interaction, the immediate response would be to shut it down, eliminate it. But there's a process of evaluation that is required and very valuable to both the consumer as well as the expert. Mm -hmm. With respect to the evaluation for Optums, options in terms of how to address the cause of pain as opposed to just eliminate the pain and ignore the cause. I can highlight, for instance, superlative options in laser technologies that far supersede what um, a medication for controlling pain or controlling the inflammation that causes pain would render, not only um, in the specific time frame, but also longitudinally. Mm -hmm. So looking at cause and understanding cause, which requires time, requires commitment, would be something that is very basic, but we need to read to turn our focus. And as doctors, we of course have, uh, you know, have that um, already commitment and focus to that. And we we encourage always patients to to give that because there are certain things that only patients can do for themselves. No one else can do that for them. The other point. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to leave you with the other point in terms of the aspect of um, 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 reflections with the WHO. And I'm speaking yes. now from the oral health perspective. Um, WHO has had decades of pleadings from the oral health care community, both from the USA side as well as from international side, to have WHO uh, recognize oral abnormalities and non-communicable diseases. In 2007, WHO actually um, at least um, recognized um, that, uh, you know, that I would say request was made. However, no formal position was taken along with uh, no action in terms of incorporating that stance mm -hmm. and position in their programs. Only until 2021, middle of 2021, the WHO recognized oral abnormalities and dental abnormalities as non-communicable disease. I find it incredibly wow. interesting because at about the same time frame, masks had become an international phenomenon. Yes. And so in the non-surgical uh, in the non-surgical uh, spaces, mm -hmm. um, they're definitely appropriate in surgical and medical spaces and yeah. dental spaces. So that said, when we look, for instance, at that particular parallel where one particular 
um, action is to actually recognize the abnormality component that of course contributes from uh, anaerobic bacteria, bacteria that they don't need oxygen to survive, that mm -hmm. actually uh, don't um, you know, prefer that oxygenation is not even present yep. really, um, and uh, thrive from even hypoxic scenarios. Mm -hmm. In parallel to the aspect of when the mask is worn, there's a decreased access to oxygen. Yes, that's and right. And so we have essentially another risk for developing of comorbidity Mm -hmm. of hypoxia in the presence of other comorbidities, including dental abnormalities. And so now we see that we <laughs> we have seen a almost a um, <clears throat> more um, high, more grievous um, contribution um, when the recommendations should have eased right. uh, the accessibility to uh, um, to natural at least exposure, uh, given the fact that not all geophysicians have access to access uh, have access to to dental and medical care, and even those who have access to dental and medical primary care, uh, they may not have access uh, to superlative interdisciplinary uh, intervention, and that of course translates into very different outcomes. Two great examples, and we'll get that on the other end of the break. Thank you so much. This was Dr. Claudia Kortka, my guest for today, Global Health Sector Intelligence. She's an amazing woman with expert witness uh, before the United States, Congress and the White House. Uh, very well-spoken, international lecturer. So happy to have you on. We appreciate you greatly. We will put links in the comment sections below for those of you who are going to be listening on anything other than the radio so you can find out more information. Thank you so much doctor for being on voice of truth today thank you so much Shannon. it's been a pleasure to be here pleasure all mine go ahead and uh, i know you're a busy woman you have many things to do be blessed for the rest of your day and we will talk to you soon thank you so much hey thank blessing you, blessings to you that again everybody was dr claudia kortka very happy to have her on everything she was talking about i know seems like a lot there was a lot of medical information and a lot of medical terminology and i'm going to break it down for you on the other side of this break. First, as we go to our first break, Voice of Truth is grateful for the support of MyPillow. MyPillow is a Minnesota-based company that manufactures pillows, bathrobes, slippers, bedsheets, and other products. MyPillow supports Voice of Truth and Voice of Truth's mission. We would love you to support Voice of Truth and the mission that we have that Jesus Christ has given us to continue to bring the truth to the end of the age and occupy until Christ's return. If you want to support Voice of Truth through purchasing something, you can go ahead and do so by checking out information from MyPillow.com forward slash VOT22, or you can call 1-800-562-4978 for more information. Getting right back into it, our guest, Dr. Claudia Corta, just went through some very, very heavy information in the first 30 minutes of the program, and I'm going to break it down in this last 30 minutes for you so you fully understand what she was talking about. The World Health Organization is overreaching with its relationship with Biden and the administration in the U.S. government. What are they attempting to do? A complete global governance of our healthcare system. That means that they can then choose whatever they so want to do in the United States and the healthcare provider in which you have has to obey and abide by that rule regulation law or uh, emergency order. You, it removes a complete right from the provider to do what they know is in the best interest of their patient in their practice. It also removes the right of the patient to do what's in their best interest for their livelihood and their home. These are problems. Why? The World Health Organization 
uh, is a world global governance organization that looks at things in every region of the world, of the globe, and dissects it in recommendations and things that need to be taken into consideration on that country's governmental level. There are things that are passed down from the World Health Organization and world health leaders from all across the globe come together to make decisions. The issue that we have is the majority of the globe is third or second world nations. They're not first world nations and they don't have the benefits and the ability that the United States have in which Dr. Kortka was mentioning. We have a very superior medical care system that is driven and governed by competition. It's also driven and governed by moral health code oaths morality and the ability for them to use the scientific method, continue research and have very good funding to do so to figure out communicable disease as well as zoonotic disease, its potential, whether something is benign or malignant, do the research and dissect and, uh, and operate under different heads and governances to be able to accomplish the research needed to get the end result desired. When this happens, that will completely essentially be removed unless the healthcare provider works directly under and with the World Health Organization. This is a problem. That also means that Abbott and Pfizer and Burial Ingerheimer and uh, Bayer and Merck and any other medical uh, pharmaceutical manufacturer, Abbott, so on and so on, they will be completely not only in bed with the government, but they will have to be in bed with the World Health Organization. The provider will not be able to dictate how he wants to treat you or the disease in which he thinks you have. He will not be able to make his own um, protocol for you. He will not be able to treat you as an individual, but will have to herd collectively treat you, treat you as a herd, treat you like everybody else is being treated for that issue. It removes the individuality in medical care. This is a pro problem because that kind of medical care is not feasible. People from Canada and all over who have socialized health care come to the United States for very heavy and significant medical issues because they can get the most amazing and superb care. This will be completely removed. Like mentioned earlier, the World Health Organization will ramp up their numbers through fraudulent PCR testing. Unfortunately, they will be able to dictate how to treat new diseases, even if the treatment is not beneficial to you. And if you choose not to take the treatment, so be it. You choose not to get any treatment. They will deny those doctors that ability and that right. You have to understand that with this comes a new pandemic. There will be another pandemic and there will be another major global health crisis in which the powers that be will use the power that they have now gotten to control you and everybody. You have to remember that they had pushback during COVID. Absolutely did. They had governors and states that chose to not obey vaccine pa passport recommendations, regulations with lockdowns, including mask regulations. And what would this do? This would potentially harbor an issue for all of that. The more intense scenario includes blue hats on our soil. What are blue hats? Well, the United Nations. This uh, would allow foreign, <laughs> it makes me sick to even say it. I'm trying to even just get it out of my mouth. Foreign securities on our soil for the first time. Foreign warriors, foreign armies, the United Nations, the Blue Hats, and others on our soil for the first time. I have to stop and chew on that because that is the reality, friends. You know, in Jerusalem, Israel, the IDF is all over the place. They are all over that soil when there's an increased terror issue, attack, 
threat or something going on, but it's their own people protecting their own people. This is not the National Guard protecting its people from domestic terrorists or terrorists nonetheless. This would be a foreign army, a foreign armed force on our soil. And these are all real potentials. And the Biden administration is attempting to do it without even going to the Senate. This is beyond anything I think that we can truly chew on that's truly palpable and tangible because we've never lived under those circumstances. Well, between the 22nd and the 28th, it's going to potentially become a reality. The infrastructure that has been set for the U.S. to model for every other nation is and can potentially will be gone. And I don't think that you truly, even if you're healthy, understand what that means. What Dr. Kortka was saying is that we need to take our health individually into our own hands. And we can. We need to do everything we can to be as healthy as possible to remove that third party, that extracurricular uh, potential examination or relationship with a provider out of the picture. We need to take our health into our own hands with our eating and our diet and uh, exercise and what we drink and the vitamins that we take and the things we can do to control that to the best of our ability. Because in a sick society with an overreaching government, those sick people become a number. They become a well-designed statistic. They become the execution of the depopulation plan. They fall right into the hands of those in whom they are controlled by. And this was a pull and a push and a conversation with Dr. Corka to get you to understand that you in some ways are in control of that healthcare for yourself. And you need to really start understanding that. Now, will this happen or will it not happen? There's variables. I believe fully that at some point this will transition and this will occur. And when that happens, it won't matter really who's in the office in November. Can things change? Can things be overturned? Yes. But by then, will it be too late? These are all things that we need to really understand. I suggest that everybody emails their congressmen, their senators, their governors, every single elected official and bombards them with this information so that all of them collectively or individually do something about it. It's that important. We need to pray and we need to really be seeking God as the future changes. And as the pandemic of 2022 or 2023 or 2025 becomes more and more reality as we inch closer to a world health system. It is one more chip in the bag for the Antichrist and the global governance system in which he will be put in charge of. They know the outcome. They know the plan. They're executing it. And we're pawns in the game. So what does that mean for believers? What does that mean for us individually in our personal relationships with the triune God in which we worship and also corporately as the church? It means that this is a sign of the times. This is a harbinger of the season in which we are. We need to be like Issachar in which we can tell the season in which we're in. And we need to be giving good counsel and make wise decisions, not only to our friends and our family, but from behind the pulpits. The time is now. The time is now. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is coming back. His return is near. The coming king is coming to gather his bride unto him. And after that occurs, it will be the worst and most horrific seven years, particularly three and a half years, because there will be peace for a while that you will ever see in your life if you are left behind. The Bible says that if the days were not shortened, there would be no flesh that lives. There would be no blood that lives. 
This is why I discuss things like the rapture kit with you. This is why I continually talk about the book that Gary Ray wrote next on the prophetic horizon, as well as the grid plan, the strategy for living for God in a post rapture world, because I can sit here and talk to you all day on Christian radio and Christian outlets about what you need to do. But at some point, the intent for this entire conversation or monologue is that you are harpazoed out of here. You've given your life to Christ and you're in heaven, but what happens to those left behind? As believers, aren't we supposed to continually bear fruit? Isn't there a mission field after the rapture? Well, of course there is. What is about to happen in the next few days, ladies and gentlemen, and probably by the time this airs, it's already happened, that vote has gone in, is something that will change the face of the globe, literally until Christ returns. The rapture kit. My store is still not quite up. It will be up. But this rapture kit, if you are interested in learning, reading, studying, and having a resource for yourself, you go on voiceoftruthradio.org. You hit the donate button. They're $30. You set your donation in. We will mail you one. The most popular bundle has been the Rapture Kit, the book Next on the Prophetic Horizon, as well as the Grid Plan, in which I just mentioned. And all three of them, as you can see here, all written by Gary Ray. And the Grid Plan are great resources for you to start diving into reading with your family and leaving behind for your friends. The entire bundle is $50. You need to make sure you leave your address and we can get it to you. This is not to be taken lightly because every single time I get behind the microphone, the, the prophetic tachometer redlines to the point of the needle breaking. There are so many things happening, including Biden saying he's going to divide Jerusalem. Listen, you guys, the potential implications of that are staggering. I will bless those that bless thee. I will curse those that curse thee. This is a God covenant Israel blessing between those who, who support and protect and those who don't. This has severe implications to the countries in which do not abide by that. And you and I are citizens of a country that is on the verge of not standing by Israel and dividing the land in which God ordained for the Jews. Can you see the time and the hour in which we live? Are you looking at the prophetic calendar and Israel's a timepiece? Do you really understand that tomorrow is not guaranteed, whether it be because of the rapture or something else. Do you see that the nuclear warning clock is about to strike midnight? Do you understand the waves rippling like a tsunami from China to Taiwan and then will gently continue down through the Pacific Islands and then come like a storm upon the United States of America and the mainland. Do you understand that by this fall, you will then feel the pain of the food shortages and it will be tangible? The energy in the air, the fear, the confusion, the chaos will be so thick, you could probably cut it with a knife. Do you understand that God has put you on this earth and there is a plan and there is a purpose for you. Can you really look at everything happening and say, you know exactly what Christ has told you to do in this time, in this day, and in this hour? If you cannot answer those questions in a way that is biblically satisfying, then you need to take yourself before the foot of the cross and you need Jesus to reveal his mighty power to you, speak to you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you need a fire to ignite in you like nothing that you have ever seen before in your life. We are about to enter into a time in which spiritual warfare will completely trample you if you are not grounded and rooted in the word of God. Listen, Jesus Christ is king and he sits on the throne. And this is not to 
cause fear or strike panic in the hearts of anybody. This is for you to truly understand in the time in which we live. Don't be part of the great apostasy. Don't be part of the church in which is falling away. The global elites have had these plans in place for years. This has been an agenda by the demonic since Christ rose again. I believe the devil has had an antichrist and a system potentially in play every single generation because he doesn't know the day or the hour in which Jesus will return for us. But I do know that prophetically so many things have happened and so many things have rolled out and been accomplished that before were not prior to Israel becoming a nation. And even now with the potential of the Ezekiel 38 war and Isaiah 17, the destruction of Damascus looming Gog and Magog knocking at the door and all the puzzle pieces in place. None of this in which has all come to fruition until the last few years. Can you hear the clock ticking? I make posts on social media revealing to you the demonic, completely vile, twisted, sick and sadistic push for your children in school. I post and show you the really nasty and harsh things in which you don't want to see. You don't want to believe and you want to bury your head in the sand as if it doesn't exist. Christian, there's no time to bury your head in the sand anymore. If you don't understand what's going on around you, you're not going to know how to combat it on a spiritual level and you're not going to prepare for war. There is a preparedness that is biblically relevant in your life, a spiritual preparedness in which you need to take up that sword and that shield and that helmet. You need to be able to read and be armed with that full armor of God. But those weapons of your warfare are not just defensive, Christian, they're offensive. I think, as I've mentioned, that we're going to go into spiritual warfare, effective prayer and fasting. And we will probably start that the second week of June and really start diving into your preparedness and what does it mean and how should we look and operate as believers, understanding the the context of the scripture with prayer and fasting and what does spiritual warfare actually look like? How do we take control and captive our thoughts to operate in the power in which God has given us? And I think we should dive into that. And I think that it would be horrible to not fully make sure that you guys are prepared and equipped. Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Stay ready. Get ready. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the salvation in which you and your family hold and how many you reap a harvest for, for the kingdom of God. Are you bearing fruit? Jesus is the only thing that matters and the things in which he has laid before you to steward, whether it be your family, whether it be a church, whether it be a ministry, whether it be your finances, we need to take a full reconciliation of our walk with Christ. We could be sitting here doing a bunch of stuff that means nothing, or we could be sitting here doing exactly what Christ has called us individually to do. For more information, go to voiceoftruthradio.org. Join the movement if you haven't. It's a way to stay up to date with our e-newsletter, in which is going to be full of information you don't get via the internet, via social media, or my programs exclusive content from the doctors in which we talk about in regards to the pandemic, future pandemics, and more information coming out on the Pokey Poke. If you want resources, the store will be up soon, but go to voiceoftruthradio.org. Again, send us an email or hit that donate button, and we will be able to get you the resources in which you need. I highly suggest everybody gets a rapture kit, two or three. This is, again, not a time to not have one in your desk at work, at your home, and in your vehicle. It's a matter of salvation for one or for many. Pour into your children, meditate on scripture, repent of your sins. Jesus Christ is good and willing to forgive. Understand the declaration of salvation in which you once made and operate in it, believer, because the time is now. Until next time, everybody, make sure that you continue to be a voice of truth in your community. God bless.